Welcome to episode 211 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. We haven't spoken to each other since Tuesday. And we both have so much to say. Well, good. Because, you know, actually, I didn't come with a whole lot prepared. I'm going to have to wing this one a little bit. Oh, good. That's good. Nice. Yeah. So uh, what do you what, what do you got going on? Sounds like you got a big smile on your face. So, Well, the first thing I want to say, I want to talk to you about is this. This is this is this is revolutionary. All right. This is a big deal. OK, so I'm just opening up my iPhone right here and I'm showing you the check splitter app that I've been working on. Check uh, splitter. Yeah, well, it's the it's the, you Uber know, media app. The, the Uber media app for people to go out to dinner and they can split the check and work out the tip. Right. So that's the app that I've been working on. So I want to show you because Popular belief is that you can't build an HTML app that looks and feels just like a native app. And you're here to uh, oh. disabuse people of that notion? Yeah. I'm just going to show you right now. Okay, so. All right. Check it out. Okay. So there's the app. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I am now looking at <laughs> okay, so Justin's just... <laughs> Splitsville. <laughs> right. I like it. That's good. Okay. So I'm going to, first of all, this person's going to, like, we've been out to dinner and we got a hundred buck check. Right. Okay. And then we got five guests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we want to adjust one of those guests. So, okay, here we go. Right. Yeah. Looks good. Look, it looks, looks Look how native. the window pops up. Looks native. Yep. See how it goes? Look, reset adjustments. Hang on. I like it. Look, look at that. See? Impressive. I like the um, I like the bouncing sort of um, elements. I mean, what, what is that's, that? That's, are the, are the transitions? Yeah, the CSS3 3? transitions, yeah. That's slick. So, and also, that's the pop-up as well comes up in that way because of CSS3 transitions. Okay. All right. So, well, I think I've seen enough to uh, to see that, uh, to to believe that it's doable. It's that doable, right? That you can make right? an HTML5 that looks native. Yeah, okay. Okay, so so here, so this is, a, this is kind of a big deal because, well, people, you know, when, whenever you ask people, um, they say, right, you should build native because you can't make it look good in, in HTML. But if you could, which I think you can, as this app proves, although mm -hmm. this app isn't a full app, a full app is just made of lots of single pages. This is a single page and it's... it's single really page web app in yeah. HTML5. Yeah, right. right. But, but what I mean is like, say, the Facebook app or whatever app, like they have lots of different pages and screens or whatever. So this is a small app. It's just one small piece of functionality, but it, it looks and feels native. So you, you could extrapolate that uh, to an app that had like 20 screens. Sure. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, is this uh, using PhoneGap or is this just straight up web page? That's using PhoneGap, yeah. Okay, right. So that's why I don't see the yeah. uh, address bar. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about. We talked about, we talked briefly about this a few days ago. I think we did talk since Tuesday. Did, did we? I? I don't know. But I, I asked you uh, I, this and I'm going to ask you the same thing again sure. um, so their audience can hear your response. Right. You initially tried to build an, a native app or an HTML5 app that looked native using jQuery mobile. You came away unimpressed. Why? I did. I, I've got so much to say about all of this stuff. Let's so. go. Well, hey, I'm going to lean back in my chair. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, <do laughs> I, got order to be, I got two hours. Okay. Well, just, just remind me uh, that I want to talk to you about what it means to build a mobile app in HTML versus getting like 
a dedicated iOS group and a dedicated Android group. Because I want to talk to you about that in a second. Okay, okay. sure. But anyway, um, the jQuery mobile, well, I think that the UI, it, looks mo- it does look mobile. It looks like a mobile UI. But the main issue that I had with jQuery mobile is, is that they kind of presuppose the way you want to build your app is by loading in different content pages. Okay. Rather than something like building a desktop app, like a, like a, like a, because the, the way that I build apps and the way that Double Dollar works and all this kind of stuff is just the same as building single, something in single page web app. Well, it it single page web app, but basically it's the same as building a desktop app, right. except in the browser. Well, it's just the way I built. Yeah, Guy and I built Prezo exactly back in like two thousand six, but people still try to build these apps as multiple pages yes. as opposed to a single page. Yeah. It just does AJAX requests for JSON data and then modifies its UI. So the J, yeah, but so, so jQuery Mobile is sort of single page, but they're not, thi- from what I used of it, they're not thinking of it like single page. Okay. So it's single page, but they have this function, which is change page. Mm-hmm. And the, ch- the change page function, basically, uh, it kind of opens up a, an ID, like a div. It opens up okay. a div in the DOM, okay. which it either loads from the server or is in in the DOM right there. And okay. Then. What they want you to do is to not have it in, in the DOM. They want you to basically load a page from the server. And just show it. And just show it. So if, you, if you're showing a pop-up, right, what they want you to do is to change page, pull in, that H, pull in an HTML from the server. Because every single page in jQuery Mobile is a div. Mm-hmm. And then it says it's something like data type equals page. And, and okay. it's, you know, th- th- it's a pop-up. You basically say whether it's a pop-up or whatever it is. So based on whether you give it the attribute of pop-up it then acts like a pop-up right do you see what i'm saying right so basically anyway to cut a long story short just to make stuff work the way that i need like for example the pop-up one um god i'm being so incoherent right now with the pop-up i wanted to be able to just manually change the pop-up on the fly like i wanted to be able to say hello world or whatever sure but i I, but i didn't want to have like five divs in the page and then basically say... You switch check. between the HTML on yeah. the fly. It's, it's silly. Yeah. So, so basically you have to say pop-up one or pop-up two or pop-up three, <laughs> right, right? right? But to actually make the pop-up truly dynamic, mm-hmm. so that you could just pass in a string, mm-hmm. that was really complicated. Just that, so, for example. So basically what you're saying is it's not that you can't build a single page web app with jQuery mobile. It's just that you're going against the grain. You're not building it the way that they've set it up for you to build build it right that's right so so i'm sure people sitting here thinking it's like well i built one using jquery mobile that's not what you're saying you're not saying you can't do it it's just they don't make it easy and so you have to jump through all these hoops that aren't really working for you they're just working at well, cross purposes see, to what you're trying to well achieve. let's talk about the strengths of jquery mobile all right the strengths are if you want to convert your website to a mobile website and all of your content pages going through jquery mobile that's really quick because yeah. basically all you got to do is put a, is string together a bunch of html pages and you've got a mobile site with all your content. Got it, right. That's what jQuery Mobile is really awesome at. Okay. Yeah. So Censure is a bit more like single page architecture. And it, it, it's more like the kind of thing that we're thinking about. But still, that's kind of a framework. Um, which is a whole other thing that we've got to talk about because of that email from... Did you see the email from Jeff Wells? Yeah. Okay. Let's get to that in a second. <laughs> so we got two little bookmarks. We got to talk about Wellfleet's email. And we got to talk about the operation between iOS group and Android group versus... Yeah, but that, which I'd really like to talk about now. Okay. Let me just say one thing, though. Okay. Guyon um, has been working on an HTML5... Um, uh, an HTML5 web app. Yeah. Okay. And um, it was it was a... It was a um, 
a project that that a consulting client that I have that I've having him do a lot of because I just don't have the time for it. And I had I had asked around about I well I had initially done some research about which framework would be the best to use and I, I did some research and I went up to when I went I was up at Uber I had talked to the guys up there because I remember that uh, Paul and um, Align had looked at the possibility of doing some kind of a web app for Uber in addition so you could use yeah. your you could have your native iOS or Android or whatever but they also have a web a web version and they they played around with all these different frameworks and and, and ultimately they went with um, Sencha because they thought all these other ones were slow and kind of sucky slow yeah slow they thought they were really slow and so when I was talking about what framework we should use with Guyon, I said, look, I think we should just go with Sencha. I mean, the guys at Uber are smart guys. They did their homework. They spent days, if not weeks, experimenting with all this stuff, and they ultimately chose Sencha um, for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and so we started using that. Or I should say he really was doing most of the work. I wasn't doing much. But um, he, he felt like Sencha was really overly complicated, yeah. extremely unintuitive, that there was just a lot of work and confusion to getting simple stuff done where he felt like jQuery mobile was really easy. It didn't take a lot of um, code to get that working. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because when you talk about these things, I want you to just sort of address those. Yeah, no, it's very true. And, and it's like I said, like jQuery mobile is awesome for getting up your real simple stuff. So it, it's that classic 80%, 20%. It's like bootstrap, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like you can get, you can, or like WordPress, WordPress is the best way, the, the best example I can think of where you say to someone, I can build your website really quickly in Word, WordPress, but if you want it to be customized and you really want it to work the way you want it to work, that last 20%, so my first, the first 80% is going to be quick, the last 20% is going to be complicated. Whereas when you're building your own stuff, and I think you know this yourself, the first 80% is complicated and takes a long time. But then the last 20% just comes together really quick mm -hmm. <laughs> because, yeah. you, because you've pre-thought the way that you want this whole thing to right. work, right? That's a good point. So, Okay, so the two things you want to talk about. Okay, well, looking at that app, you can see that th this th you couldn't do that in. I don't think you could do that in Sentia or, or jQuery Mobile, right? Because really, but because you don't think you could do it in any framework. Because what I've discovered is to build a truly native feeling app, you have to take it absolutely case by case. You have to look at every button that you press and check to see does this feel native? Yes or no? Oh. It's got a drop shadow. That's the reason why it's not clicking fast. So I've got to remove the drop shadow off the button. You know, and basically this, this app, at the end of the day, only has two graphics in it, the rest of it's CSS. And it's been done on the case. So it's the same as building native in a way. Like it's the same as using Cocoa. Because it, it, <laughs> you're gone. Yeah, well, it's funny you bring that up because um, something I've been working on this weekend, we'll get to this in a minute. Um, it was a JavaScript, you know, a single page web app. Um, and you, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of jQuery, not because I've used it a lot and I have a lot of specific issues. It's just because I have my own little yeah, simple... Yeah, you have your own version. I really would call it vanilla. I mean, it is like vanilla J JavaScript. I mean, it's old school JavaScript where I just wrap up the handful of commands that are different among the different browsers. Everything else is just use native stuff. And it's usually really easy. I mean, I, you know, and, and, and you can stick it all in one file. I call it core.js. So yeah. core.js has, you know, get the width of the window or get the scrolling height or things like that, which can differ a little bit, or the Ajax get and post, simple, simple stuff. Um, and that's really like, 
80% or 90% of it for me of what I need, what you, I would use something like jQuery for. Um, you know, I know, I know a lot of non-single page web apps where they're like, they load a web page up from the server and then they do a big loop through all of the different elements through different types of classes and attach all kind of different event handlers. That's a different model than the single page web app. You're just sort of setting up the page. You sort of initialize the page and you say, okay, you, you, you grab handler, you grab, um, you know, this dot, you know, can my control equals get element by div my, you know, and then you attach event handlers and it's kind of this control. You set it all up initially. So you're not constantly doing. So I, so I said it was like building native and then that brought you onto this. Yeah. What, what was your point? You're so doing? the thing is the reason that I like being at a very low level and using a very light wrapper is that I have absolute complete control of everything. I understand everything down to the metal. Yeah. So whereas if you do jQuery or you do those other things, it's like when something doesn't work, and I go, so why doesn't it work? You're like, I don't know, that's just jQuery. You know, or that's just this plugin. You know, right. where I'm like, that's bullshit. That's a bullshit answer. But, but that's the answer that 95% of are going to give you because they're like, hey, you know what? jQuery or XYZ framework has made this job so much easier. It's industry standard. Yeah, there are certain issues that are kind of like, if may not do that great, but we just think with good with the bad. Right. My perspective, and this is just my perspective, I'm jQuery, I think, is probably the right answer for most people, but since I'm building stuff at a low level, I want that absolute control so I can make things do, behave in exactly the way that I know it's possible for them to behave if correctly manipulated. It sounds like what you're doing. It's interesting because jQuery is so low level. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of think of it as the same thing without have, having to have had built that thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I never, th- there's never a point that I run into oh, that's not working because of jQuery. Because of like, you know, jQuery core. Like there's lots of plugins you can add onto jQuery. But jQuery core is just basically, it, it just selects stuff from the yeah, DOM. It's just a creative thing. You know, so, and maybe, yeah. but it does put a wrapper around everything. It does, right? yeah, a wrapper, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I haven't used jQuery yeah. enough. I'm not complaining yeah. about its performance or anything. I'm just using jQuery as an example. So yeah. if you have any emails, send them to Justin. Okay. <laughs> but, but I'm just, I'm just saying what I, what I do is play it. I like playing at a low level so that I can manipulate things and make and, and make it do things that I want, just like what you're doing here. Okay, so the point that people usually make about building HTML apps on mobile right. is that it's faster, it's quicker, right? You because you quicker you, development. You, time. You're using, you know, you're, you're building an HTML, you're building JavaScript. What I'm saying is something different. I'm saying it's actually the same speed as it is to bit, if you want to build it really good, really polished. It's the same speed speed as building native. So it's just as much attention to detail because when you're building native, you've got to really think about every little thing and put it all there on the stage and bind it all together and make it all work. So build, making it feel truly native, I don't think you can do it really with a framework. You can get some help with jQuery. But the main thing is this feels native and now this works on seven platforms. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Because that's kind of huge. Because phone gap. That's kind of huge, right? Yeah, it works on seven players, right? So that's kind of huge. So, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go out there and hire an awesome iOS team to basically build something in pure iOS, and then go out there and build an awesome Android team, and then go out there and build an awesome BlackBerry team, or are you going to find an awesome JavaScript developer who's going to build it? On that one platform. Turns out he's only five hundred dollars an hour in any food. <laughs> Jay Vincent. <laughs> no, but but the one thing is, is that that moving from platform to platform, there is still going to be issues. Well, right? they, you know, I mean, it's and, just much. It's obviously going to be quicker to make it work on the other platforms. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, the one thing you'll have to do is the Android. The look and feel of an Android app is different than an iPhone app. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's just like you you don't you that's what, why people get frustrated when they see like a Mac app on a Windows platform or Windows app on a Mac platform and it looks like the other platform. It's just irritating, right? But, but, so you have to do that. But this doesn't really look like either platform. It just looks like a great app, which would yeah. work on Android or... Right, so it's completely customized. Yeah. I mean, it's completely custom. It doesn't have any of the standard, um, uh, like, tab groups and things like that, like right. the standard sort of um, uh, navigational elements. But, um, but obviously but you could do that. You could right. mimic those things yeah. easily. Now, have you created for yourself those standard elements so you can create because it would be no. very hard but i guess once you build an app where you need those things you can say all right i'm going to create a, a an ios tab group or i'm going to create a android tab group so i can just flip the switch and i have I, them i just I, don't think you should go down that road because because you don't necessarily need to like take for example if you're building facebook mm-hmm. right you would probably just want facebook to work in your facebook way you wouldn't necessarily want different tabs and different kind of native looking stuff you'd want it to be a, a, a familiar experience across all of the different platforms just like your website so you're saying that you think that a fully customized app totally buffed out yeah is really not going to look native on either platform it's going to look like its own thing it's going to look like its own thing but it's going to feel like it was made by awesome native developers interesting Definitely. so it's almost like a video game yeah exactly it's so basically it's an awesome app it's like you, you can't believe that it what it looks so customized and awesome that you can't believe that it wasn't built natively you know, this is this is really really impressive. This is really cool. I, yeah, I'm really okay. So what? Um, I know we got to get to the Wellplay email, yeah. but I want to hear what, what has been Uber Media's response to this. Well, they they really like it. They they we want to put it out. So the main thing is is like you know I I show it to people and they're like okay let's get it out. <laughs> so we're just waiting for marketing and um, well, they uh, got, they got to be more than just they like it. I mean they got to be like dude this is awesome. Well, they, they do really like it, but don't forget, they, they also have, I mean, this app is going up against in-house iOS, you know, hardcore iOS developers. So it's, it's compared, Apple's, it's, it's compared sure. against native apps. Okay, so, so the so benchmark's it's, high. It's basically just as, it, it's as good as native apps, but, you know, cool. Well, we expect good people. We expect you to be good. Right, what, <laughs> I mean, how much less time did it take you to build this, do you think? Um, well, it's like, it's like I said, I, I think it probably would have taken an, an, a native uh, developer probably with the same amount of time. But rather than polishing the the kind of touch experience, they probably would have been polishing some some other aspects. Well, that's just one platform, right? This yeah. is on seven. Yes, that's so. That's it's right. seven times faster. Exactly. So it is seven times faster. Or well, even if we say, even if we say, really, it really the only really important platforms are Android and uh, and uh, iOS. Yeah. There's a, at very least is twice as fast. Right. Which, from a business perspective, is a very big deal. You yeah. cut your development half. My guess is, though, it's going to be faster. It's just this is the first time you did it. Yeah, exactly. Next time, time we'll probably twice as fast. Yeah, because then I'll know. I'll know. Oh, yeah. When you have a shadow, then you don't don't use that as a as a because that's one thing, right? Uh, HTML is really bad. uh, Well, iPhone and Android are not very good at rendering alphas, just like any any computer system. Like when you have alphas and you involve alpha stuff in animation, you should try and avoid it. Alphas. you know, you know, like where you can kind of see through the thing. Oh, you're talking about the transparency. Yeah, transparency. Okay. Yeah. Now, now there are certain cases where transparency is fine, like when it's um, hardware optimized, so CSS3 mm-hmm. transitions, for example. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I know this is too much inside baseball, but anyway, adding and removing a class, if that class changes uh, the drop shadow, that's slow. Well, okay. The, well, yeah, so I, I, I mean, my guess is, obviously, I have, this is totally speculative, but just... 
I would think that it probably two thirds of your time went into optimizing and building double dollar to do this stuff than actually working on this, right? So you're going to extract that. that So you're going to extract. You're going to reap the benefits of that in the next second and third app, where where this one took you. 40 or 80 or 100 hours, I was going to take you no, 20 no, hours. No, not that many. How many hours do you think you put in? For, uh, like 30 hours, maybe. So the next one takes you 15 hours? Mm. 20 hours? I, don't know. I mean, that's is, huge, right? And a week. That's a week of part-time work at well, media. Y- you know you'll build... Hey, it's it. Friday. Congratulations. <laughs> Use your new app. I'm out. Justin okay. out. You know you... Um, the thing that you're building for Catalyst, the, your, your game, your, your kids' programming game. Yeah. I'm thinking that you should start developing that directly on iPad, because the, because one of the big problems is one of the one of the main things is developing it in a browser rather than on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Like because you get to see how crummy some of the interactions are, and so you're like, oh crap. Rather than so you get to see that early on, and yeah. you build it as you go, rather than putting the whole thing on there and then going, oh my god, now I've got to go back and rework all that stuff. Yeah. So that's quite that probably be a good idea for you. Right. All right. Let's get on to Welpley's email. So Jeff Welpley, for people who don't know, Jeff Welpley <laughs> is a friend of ours. He lived out, he used to live out in LA. He used to play on my soccer team, Cobalt, for a number of years. He's since moved back to Boston, Boston area. He's the uh, CTO of Mesho One, and right. he's a listener of the show. So he sent you an email, a long email. It's too, it's too long to read. But well, I, what were the three? There were three major points he was, that he, was, that he well, brought up about Double Dollar. Okay, before, before we get into that, this email really made me laugh. And yeah. it probably didn't make you laugh in the same way as it made me laugh. But w- I spent an hour working with Jeff, um, showing him the Double Dollar Framework. And the takeaway was that it's not so much a framework as like a paradigm and a, a pattern. Okay. Right? Like, so basically he's saying, why don't you take a step back from the framework and just basically tell people how you work because it's kind of weird and interesting the way you mm, work because you can work with using another framework even yeah you, so. you could work in the way that i work in, in another way anyway so he said so his email he said you should call it the power user framework and then the acronym puf puff puff, <laughs> puff the magic dragon i just call it magic dragon <laughs> the magic dragon framework yeah. but what i what i had thought of was a different acronym which was known n-o-a-n because basically this is what it is and this is what i want to talk to you about namespace organization as needed because okay. that's basically what i do it's, i didn't think of it it's I, it was introduced to me by uh, when i started working at sky bsb mm-hmm. but basically it's adding a structure to your code just like you would in java programming but it's sort of it's it's a little more structured than that it's like what you do you you do just completely custom, right? So you just write functions that you need there and then. So you have like these functions that you use. And I write things kind of uh, like how you might write C++ or Java. I write object. I think, of things, I think of things in terms of objects, right? Right. So I say, all right, this is the canvas object. This is the, you know, whatever. And that object has these methods and this, I stick the data. So I design stuff in a very object-oriented fashion. So a good way of describing this is that the way that you work is like curve-fitting JavaScript for what you need. Okay. It's curve-fitting, right? The way that uh, JavaScript MVC or Spine works, it's like that's JavaScript running on a railroad, mm-hmm. and you kind of make it do what you need. Mm-hmm. The way that I work, knowing it's kind of like a little bit closer to you, but it's not quite as totally just 100%. You're right. So that's really, I think, what it is. It's, so it's like, it's, it's, the, it's, the, 
it's the least possible amount of framework to be completely custom. I like the name. I like Magic Dragon. <laughs> I think that's the name, buddy. That's it. That's the name. Magic Dragon. That kicks the crap out of these other names. I don't care what it stands for, what it does. Magic Dragon. People are like, what the hell is this Magic Dragon? No, you're, you're probably right. You're, you're probably getting right. something that... Anyway, I don't know. I mean, but the thing is, it's more like it's a thesis that I need to write rather than anything else. You know, well, you, about this. You write a, a, an article or blog post, a big red article introducing the concept to say I'm, this is... This is, you know, I mean, maybe... I'm too busy building stuff. I just want to make stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, this is just the best framework that I can think of after 20 years of programming and not having done a CS degree. Mm -hmm. That's basically it, right? That's all. Yeah, I don't know how much CS degrees have much to do with actual code craftsmanship, so I don't think, I don't think it matters. I don't, I don't think... Um, I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, most CS degrees don't have a lot to do with abstractions and architectures and stuff, right? It's Yeah, it's, it's sort anyway. of like, yeah. So anyway, so I think the point... So I'm just saying, regardless of whether you had a CS degree, a master's in CS or you didn't... You don't think that makes a difference? I don't think it would have much impact, really. All right, so I'll go to Jeff's three points okay. in his <laughs> PUF framework. Um, De-emphasize the bracket thing. Mm -hmm. um, allow people to use templating libraries and explain the overall architecture in a similar way to how people talk about MVC. Because basically what he's saying is that I'm doing something different to MVC. It's like my own pattern. Yeah, so you need to introduce these ideas. And, yeah. and you need to answer the question which I had brought up along to, uh, at the very, from the very beginning, which is... Which is why? Why does anyone care? I, me, the reader. Why am I reading past the first sentence? Why do I care about this? Why is it, what problem is this solving that I, that I need solved? I don't know, because... At this point, I don't care whether the reader cares. I just want to use it. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what problem you might be solving. I, I mean, is is the ability to create really native, responsive HTML5 mobile apps? That's what people are trying to do, and and there's this constant, this promise of like, oh, just use HTML5, and they try it, and people get pissed off because they're frustrated, and they go back and they build iOS, and it's just this. There's, I mean. I'm sure you have a, there's a huge range of reactions to how happy people are with HTML5 versus the people who are unhappy. And it all obviously depends on what they're trying to achieve and how much time they're putting into it. But I think um, what you're doing here is going to solve that problem in a way that's going to make a lot of people really happy. Well, then it's, it's going to be very difficult to bottle that up um, into a framework because then what it is, is it's more something like, a course it's like it's a training course because it's it's so many different little okay. pieces together that's what set it is. up a training course charge or a people book or something i i charge i charge train i do teach courses you know teach uh you know you know um re re responsive html5 apps uh master class like like the way that Amy Hoy and Thomas Fuchs do that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, well, if you put out a few of these apps and you wrote an introductory uh, article, or blog post, say, here are three apps that I built while working for Uber Media. Right. These were all done using this approach. You know, it, play with them. You know, see for yourself that this is just as responsive. See how quickly I built them. I can show you how to do that. And a lot of people would be very interested in doing that. A lot of companies would be interested in, in, in how you did that and wouldn't mind shelling a little cash to have their developers learn how to do that. I'm trying to sell it to you right now because you, I know that you're working on a marketplace app. I'm not going to mention who for. But what, if you're building a marketplace app, what do you want? You want people. You want customers. You want more mm -hmm. people using that app. 
who would benefit more from this than your current client being able to put it on seven platforms? Yeah, well, the one the one deal breaker is we needed ju- we needed the um, what's it like the IntelliSense, like the just in time search when you're typing in like in the app store and you're and you're getting real time results. Yeah, because imagine you have a marketplace full of thousands and thousands of um, of items. Yeah, right. You don't necessarily know which one of these items you need, um, and you're not necessarily sure exactly which what's the specific name. So you're typing it in, you need a thing to pop up. The problem is that in PhoneGap, it has that t- it has an extra bar above the key- keypad that comes up that you can't get a w- get rid of that blocks a third of the available screen. So if you have the search bar at the very top of the keyboard, you don't have that much space. There's no search bar at the top of the screen. Yeah, you do. Right there. You see your previous next done? Yeah, but you, you, with, you, just, use, um, you just get an iOS guy, mm-hmm. hire, hire them for an hour, and just ask them to build you one of those without that that they plug into PhoneGap. Yeah, well, if we could do that, well, because, see, but because the, you, phone gap is—I na- mean, you're compiling native, right? You're mm-hmm. compiling native iOS code. Yeah, but then what? You, see, I don't know Xcode, so it means I would have to understand how to how to take this iOS component and plug it into this generate this titanium generated Xcode, right? So, or, or titanium or phone gap, right? So I'm just saying that I don't know. I mean, I have to do some research. I, I yeah. Yeah, because it's you basically there's people have made lots of phone gap plugins so that you can customize it, right? Um, and that wouldn't be a difficult I did problem. some research on that and people, there wasn't an obvious solution and people were saying, well, there's some guy I heard kind of did something and it wasn't, yeah. just, there just wasn't anything that I saw that did that. Right. So basically it's this, this little bar here that you the, want to get rid of. The keyboard, the previous next done, because it's just eaten up a whole. It's eaten up like 20 pixels. Yeah. Which pixels. is like, a, you know, you, instead of seeing five options, you see three and a half or something. It just yeah. sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. So anyway, but oh, on that topic, um, so titanium finally fixed the bug I talked about. Remember I said that they, I had upgraded to iOS 6 and, yeah. titan, and the titanium couldn't build on uh, my iOS device? Like the build, the, the build oh, failed. Yeah. And there was just no, uh, there was no solution. So I was looking into getting some kind of premium license and all that stuff. We've, you know, we spent some time talking about the expense of the licenses and everything. Well, luckily, that's been solved. Okay, nice. So I don't have to really worry about that. So and, can- and also, you know, we gave them a bad rap on that last show. Um, subsequently, I've spoken to the sales department. Um, the CEOs put out an, uh, a, a couple of letters of couple, clarification. Yeah. And basically, then they don't force you to show ads. Okay. They don't, they don't force you to show ads. Yeah, and, and it's under, and I guess the framework is under the Apache license yeah. and everything. So I think, I think the problem is the sales guys are too salesy and yeah. they they're they're trying to close a deal. They're trying to get you to sign up for the partnership. And so what they're doing is they're not answering your question. They're answering the question they wish you had asked. <laughs> so I'm like, it was funny because I just was watching um, uh, this uh, thing called, uh, this documentary is called The Fog, Fog of War. It was an interview with um, Robert McNamara, who was the um, defense secretary during the Vietnam years under Kennedy and... Um, and um, Johnson and uh, really interesting guys and uh, he you know he wrote his book the book he wrote about I think basically his I think it's his biography more or less yeah and um, it's called the, entitled the fog of war and anyway that's one thing that he said which I thought was really interesting was never answer the question asked always answer the question you wish they had asked <laughs> which is good it's kind of like we talk about negotiations it for, they reframe it reframe everything you'll see politicians do that a lot 
Yeah. You'll see people in the you know, spot, they kind of avoid the real question. If it's too obvious, it's really irritating because it's, it's very slick and it's really annoying. And it's really difficult when you're talking to salespeople and you're like, so can, are, am I going to be subject to having ads show up on my app? That's my question. Look, you got to understand that da 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 stuff. You're like, dude, that's not, we just, yeah. Once again, 15 minutes later, our ads are going to be displayed on my ad. So, and the guy I was talking to was just spending all this time talking about synergy and service level agreements and partnership. And I'm just, it's just driving me insane. Yeah. And I had two conversations and I still felt like I didn't know anything for sure. Right. And yeah. that's, the sa- that's, that's the sales department. And I guess you get these salespeople and they work off commission. And even though they're getting guidance and things and information by the company, they're ultimately closing a deal for their own. Well, they, they really don't. I mean, it's highly unlikely they're going to understand the technology in mm-hmm. any detailed way. Mm-hmm. You know, this, they're not even probably going to understand your problems as a developer. I mean, they probably don't understand the, the whole big picture of what it's like for you as a developer. Right. They're, they're salespeople. Right. Right. You know? So, um, okay, so this, I think we should probably yeah, let's wrap move this on. one up. Now, we do need to move on to something else. We need to move on to our first paid job advertisement. Really? Yes. Holy smoke. Who's, where did this Uber come? Media. Uber Media? Yeah. They did. Okay, how much? Yeah. Well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay, don't tell me you didn't uh, come up with a price. Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I think I'm going to say what you said, which was $100, but what I'm going to say is, if they get a decent response, they can give us a hundred bucks. And if they don't get any response, then don't worry about it. Oh, so but, is it but, experimental? Yeah, but but that's I think what you said we should charge a hundred. So I thought, I thought just just out of the throwing something in the air, start small, hundred dollars a spot per show. So we're going to earn one hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. if someone yeah. responds to Uber Media based on this next section well could you figure okay so you figure that (laughs) if you did three spots a show yeah for a hundred dollars a spot that'd be roughly twelve hundred dollars a month it's nothing amazing it's it's not really but if you but if if that started to work and then we got more it's better than bloggio's first year revenue yeah i mean if you actually could if you could actually get it up to like a couple hundred dollars 200 maybe two or three hundred dollars a spot i mean we'd probably have to grow a little before we get there oh we'd have to grow a lot yeah. I don't well, know. because I know that um, to advertise on something like Stack Overflow for a month is like three or four hundred dollars. Okay. So we need well, to be less than that. Well, let's see. Well, it, well, and it really just depends on the kind of response they get. All right. So let's so let's talk about this this position. All right. Uber this is Media. working in Uber Media, and guess who works in Uber Media? You. That's right. Right. So they get so, the added so benefit like of hanging out with you. Extra bonus. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, so basically Uber Media are looking for a Java backend developer. Someone who's got at least two to three years experience of Java, Spring. Okay, these these are acronyms that I have no idea you what don't know they are. Okay, Spring's Spring? a framework. It's like a framework. It's like okay. A, yeah, okay. There's Jersey. Never heard of it. They need to have experience at Spring, Jersey, REST. Well, obviously, you know, yeah, we REST. know what REST is. Personally, I don't like REST, but anyway. Come on. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, API design. You need to be a very good API designer and also have pretty good SQL experience, as uh, also including the typical ORM pattern and all that type of thing. So basically what they're going to be building is backend uh, APIs on top of Java. Backend APIs on top of Java for some very funky uh, products that I'm not allowed to talk about due to uh, 
non-disclosure agreement and I'll be spending the rest of my life in prison if I say anything about it. <laughs> I think that would be pretty fun, actually. I think designing APIs are fun. Is fun. Designing APIs is fun. Yeah. R is. I think it is. Is fun. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I, I mean, I could see that would be because you, you, you guys are rolling out all these new products. Come up, say, here's our new product. Here's the API. Sketch it out on the board. Let's come up with, you know, what, what are our nouns and verbs, whatever. What are, you know, our get, put, post, and deletes. You know, what are parameters, JSON responses. I think that should be pretty. I, in some ways, it would be, for someone who knows this stuff, it would be pretty easy, right? But it'd be kind of fun, right? Because you wouldn't be working on the same stuff forever. You'd probably sit down for a few weeks, bang one out, say, all right, well, here's your version one API for XYZ app. Well, because they, they've moved very quickly in Uber Media. But it's also just working at Uber Media, for example, the other day, uh, they had they all danced Gangnam Style and filmed it. What the hell is Gangnam Style? <laughs> I keep seeing that pop up. It's some South Korean singer. It's, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's it's a singer who dances. He's this kind of fat, chubby guy. Yeah. He sings Gangnam Style, like do do do, and he has this weird dance. Anyway, it was really funny because the whole office were like doing Bollywood dancing. But what was great is that you you could either opt out or you could opt in. So. Opting you, out, it's like, oh, I don't have to do it, and I can have a laugh watching everyone else doing it. And opting in, you're like, oh, I can do it, and I can have so a laugh. So did you opt in? No way. <laughs> I'm sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to dance sit, Gangnam I, Style. I think I'd sit, sit that one out. <laughs> now, if you did, and we had some video of that, we could put it on the web, that'd be gold. Of course, there's also free hot chocolate Uber, Uber Media, which well, is the, a big the, deal for the, me. The, one of the big things, of course, is that... Pasadena? Well, yeah, I'll say at first it's Idea Lab. Yeah. Right, which is a really cool place. And you're right smack in the middle of Old Town Pasadena. I mean, there is not many places that are as cool as Old Town Pasadena. It's like just as, well, you moved back, back across the country. But how do you think about Old Town? It's awesome. It is awesome. I mean, I, a friend of mine is maybe moving in a year and a half or two years. I'm like, why are you Why are you leaving Pasadena? He's like, well, I don't want to. It's <laughs> like my wife wants to they move to Boulder, Colorado, kind of out in the wilderness. And I'm just like, man, I just it'd be such a hard place to leave. It's such good living. All right, well, so I think that's a hundred bucks worth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, and just just to wrap it up by saying that um, we need a Java backend developer in Uber Media. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I guess what what they should they should uh, go to the Uber Media Careers site and follow the link. And if there isn't one, then well, how do they? No, no, they should probably go through our site, shouldn't they? Or they should they should note it. So how do they know that the response was from via Texting versus some other? I don't know. Okay, what? So people should just send their resumes to us. Okay, well, if they do send a resume, make, make sure they note that it's from Texing. Yeah. Give us some credit. Give us Give some us credit, credit one way or another. <laughs> Otherwise, this may be the last job advertisement. Yeah. But, they, but then again, they may, the, the, the HR people may see it and go, from Texing, all these things. And they go, what the hell is that? What the hell is this? Yeah, well, then if someone says later says, well, who, where, where do they come from? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I don't Whatever. know. Well, you probably have to figure that out. I'm not sure how that normally Okay, works. just send us an email if you send an email to them so we can see how many. Yeah, just CC us on an email. Yeah. Send us an email. Let us CC know. us. Perfect. CC us. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Okay. All right, go on. So, what, so now I've been hogging the beginning of the show. What have you got? Okay, what do I have? I have all kind of stuff. Um, let's, talk, um, let's talk Catalyst. Let's talk Catalyst. So we had f- f- session number five this week. In a great... A great classroom. Yeah. You so found you th- a good place. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved, we, we, for the first four sessions, we were, we were um, using this space that's a play therapy playroom, which is a nightmare because it's just, there's toys everywhere. It's like trying to teach calculus to teenagers at a pool party. I mean, it is, it's just a disaster, but it was, it was close by, it was inexpensive and it was available and it was roughly the right size. 
So I gave it a shot. But um, I think I was right that getting away from those toys and getting in the right kind of environment would cut down on the on the chaos dramatically. Would you say that's true? Definitely. I think it was probably an 80-85% reduction in chaos. Yeah, I think that's a pretty scientific measurement that I would go with. <laughs> <laughs> to pull a number out of that. Yeah, but I mean, it was, it was just, so in the picture, it was like a, it was kind of a big open hardwood room, like an old, like one of these old, you know, old churches, the hardwood floors. And we, I, Sandy and I went and bought a um, big whiteboard, put that up on the wall, got the tables out and it looked, and it, it was just perfect size. Yeah. Just perfect size. So that was, uh, the space is a huge win. And I, and I got an ongoing, um, I got an ongoing contract. So every Tuesday, 530 is ours. So I'm paying for it regardless. What did you think of Colby's um, attention this time? Better. Yeah. Better. Everybody's was better. Yeah. Everybody's was way better. I mean, not that there, there isn't room for improvement. And I'll, I'll tell you what my next, so the next knob we need to turn yeah. to, improve, to make things better. There's a few knobs we need to turn to make this thing really effective. And, well, because also you had you had your daughters in the room next door when Georgie was over, and they were they were playing and banging around on drums okay. and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so let me explain this. So the <laughs> the only night that they had a that this church had available was Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, as it turns out, is when Sandy has junior league meetings, general membership board, council meetings, whatever. So it's almost every Tuesday night. So I have the kids. That means I have all three of them. So she's like, well, you can do it Tuesday, but you're going to take the girls with you. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is going to be a nightmare. So as it turns out, there was a room right next door that is a, actually a nursery. And I threw, I put the girls in there, grandma lost toys, and they were fine. But you took it on, your, on yourself to just call Georgie and ask her if she'd come over. And Well, because one of her uh, clients had fallen through that night, and oh. uh, she, she came over then. To but that was her. really nice. Yeah. That was really great that she came over. Of course, she got a little firsthand look at how insane my daughters were did she no not opinion? at all she thought they were okay yeah fine sure yeah <laughs> absolutely they're, okay. not, they're not insane okay well that that was good so anyway we're in the room so that was that's a huge win now we got a space where it can work it's exactly what i had imagined and had pictured in my mind the kind of space we would be in so are the, are the girls gonna be there every tuesday yeah yeah so you know i think um really what i need to do is i need to get um just set them up with the iPad and they could just play video games and watch cartoons and stuff okay. when they're not playing with their other toys. And that'll pro they'll probably be, I mean, it won't be as, as self-contained as when say Georgie was there, right. you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I would not make any assumption that she would be there in any kind of regular, make it a regular thing, but, um, there's so like a, to, there's a window ledge that we're a bit worried about if they're on their own. So we'll need to have a look at that and make oh, really? sure they can't open that window. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Right. So the other the 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 next knob that we need to turn is um, well actually it was my mistake I I think I assumed the kids had a little more mastery of some of the syntax than they did and so rather than reminding them what the syntax was for a loop or for a function definition or for an if then I just went up and said All right the, what's wrong with this syntax it, yeah. that was a mistake and I didn't realize that I, what I should have done, we should talk about earlier in the, in the class at the end, maybe just picked out one and say, let's play a game. Okay, I did some things, what's wrong? So and that created some frustration for the kids because they were just kind of all over the place. They didn't really know where, yeah. where there's or a colon. What am I supposed to be and, doing? Yeah. yeah, that was a mistake. Um, so, you know, like, like, like I've said from the beginning, this is an experiment. It's an experiment in terms of can this thing work generally and also as an experiment in terms of teaching style, things that I want to try, see if it worked. And it's going to be learning, like what works and what doesn't. Well, remember Georgie said that the, the perfect lesson should be 
the kind of sandwich of the break and you start off by teaching mm -hmm. you teach at the beginning and then you question or get them to do a project at the end yeah always that like that yeah yeah that's a good point so um the one thing i did i thought worked pretty well um was i had people list up all the human languages they knew like chinese and that German. was good well because it made them think and understand it yeah and then and then say like and then and then here are computer languages and then I wrote an English sentence and I said, all right, like I misspelled one, put two words right next to each other, forgot the period, didn't capitalize one. I'm like, what's wrong? And so they're raising their hand. Well, that needs to be capitalized. And so they understood the syntax, the grammar of English, spelling yeah. of English was wrong. And then I said, all right, so let's do the same thing with a for loop, right? Yeah. So I thought that was clever. You liked that. You gave me the yeah, thumbs up. I did like it, yeah. But the, uh, anyway, so it's just a matter of just experimenting and seeing where they are and be able to gauge it and catch it early and say, okay, this is actually too hard. We need to bail and try something else. Yeah. Which is something I learned from coaching my kids uh, or Colby's soccer team is that, you know, I'll come up with ideas for drills, soccer drills in my head. And so when I get there, I'll try something out. And sometimes a drill will just not work and it's failing miserably. The kids are just confused or it's just too hard or it just allows for them to screw around too much. And then what I end up doing is just pulling the only eject lever we're like we're done all right everybody go get some water you know let's right. just this yeah. is bail let's just no point in suffering through this for 15 minutes we only got an hour practice bail start over come up with something a little simpler okay so here is this but here is the second biggest problem the space was our biggest problem mm -hmm. the second problem which i think is causing a lot of confusion and frustration and hindering our progress is our development environment mm, totally it's a it, right so the what what I did is I what what we initially did is said all right we need we have two different kinds of um, computers we have Macs old and new Macs old and new Windows machines mm -hmm. we need something that's free that looks the same cross platform and so I said all right well what we'll do is we'll just we'll use Komodo Edit which is a nice little editor works on both and we'll use uh, the command line mm -hmm. okay Komodo Edit is on, on, on an A through an F is like a C minus in terms of how good it can be in terms of two kinds so even for it's pretty simple for his editors, like TextMate, but it's just it's too much for an eight or nine or 10 year old. Well, also it does the whole syntax highlighting and puts little red lines under things. So it's confusing. And, and when you type in something that confuses the kids all the time, they open a parenthesis and it closes it. Mm. And it's like annoying because they, they try and close it. Then there's two parentheses and then they're like trying to get out of the mess. And then it's like, oh. Interesting. Okay. So that, but the command line's a killer. And the reason the command line is a killer is because they don't understand that there's this file structure, this no. file system. And like they saved a file, like I don't know where my files are. Yeah. Like where am I? How do I get in there? And that they have to run it. It just sucks. So like spin it and then they're jumping back and forth. Like they're, they're on their command. They have their edit open and they don't know how to run it. Like, oh, you got to bring up the command line. How do I bring up my command well, line? We've had a lot of suggestions from uh, texting listeners. Yeah. So I'm going to go through some of the suggestions yeah. and that I, I, I've played with everything. Good. I played with everything. Good. Okay. And none of them made me happy. So you, me. let me guess, you built one. You're damn right I did. <laughs> okay. You're damn right I In did. In JavaScript? Yep. But on the web? Yep. Okay, good. That's nice. And what, what language are we coding? JavaScript? Yep. Perfect. Okay, great. You just guessed the whole thing. You gave the whole thing away. I oh, want to build towards that's this. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So okay. that's, the, that's the TLDR, but let me no, go I, through I this. Can, I, I'll, I'll cut that out. No, 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 no. It's fine. That's fine. That's I fine. Can cut no, that no, out. it's fine. It's fine. Okay. I feel so bad. I, oh, God. I, no, oh, you no. Could, no, no. I've ruined Jason's it, no. coming out ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the, one of the first things that I had to look at uh, as an alternative was Kids Ruby. Yeah. Which is actually about 80% of the way there. The problem with Kids Ruby is, first of all, you have to download and install it. Now, it's not a huge problem, but it's always a pain we have to install on machines, right? Mm -hmm. That just 
is very distracting for us in class. You have to sit down. I have to go, hey, CJ or Justin, can you take the machine? You're like, what machine is it? And I got to download. It's just a, it's just a pain. Yeah. Um, and people, it's, you have to, listeners, <laughs> you have to understand. It's not like, oh, how hard is it to install something? When you have 10 kids ready to explode into pure chaos at any moment, and two of them are, are like arm wrestling or throwing something right behind your head, and you're trying to like install something, <laughs> it's not what you want to be doing, right? You want to like get them involved in doing something, right? No, if you can just open a web page and bam. Exactly. So, but installation, that's not even the biggest problem. The biggest problem with Kids Ruby was one, um, you still open saved from the file system. Yeah. So it still left error for like, well, where am I? And where's my list of programs? The other problem is you couldn't even cut and paste in the editor. So you've made JS Fiddle for kids. You know yeah. that JS Fiddle? Like you, you see that on Stack Overflow all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've made something really slick. Oh, well, I think. nice. So um, the... The other issue was the output, like the terminal, didn't really work very well. Didn't, like you say, like, you know, we want to do like read input, like, you know, what's your name? Enter your yeah. name. That stuff didn't work very well at all. And all those things could be fixed, except for not being on the web, but it just did all those things wrong. And plus, again, it's not a language yeah. we don't know. It's Ruby, which is another language that, you know, neither of us are that familiar with. Right. So I tried, and then people say, well, hackity hack. But the hackity hack is like an earlier version of Kids Ruby, or Kids Ruby is like, in the newer version of Hackity Hack. Yeah. Same kind of problems. Um, but it, it, what, what it did really well is that you have the splitter in the middle. So on the left side, you have your code. On the right side, you're your output. Mm -hmm. All in one window, and you have like four buttons on the bottom, like open, save, open, new, save, and run. That's it. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's great. Um, and you could also have output could be their kind of like general, like kind of terminal type output, like with command line, or you could have like graphics. Yeah. Right. And one of the big problems we had is like, well, we installed Python, but we don't necessarily have a graphics output. So there's no way of doing graphics. How, yeah. How are you going to do graphics output via the command line? Exactly. You can't. So then we have to go and install like some kind of graphics library on everybody's machine all over again. Yeah. You know what a nightmare that is. So, uh, hey, CJ, guess what we're going to be doing today? <laughs> Good yeah. God. Right. So, um, and then I looked at, I looked at Dr. Scheme, which was kind of like a kid's refer. I mean, Dr. Not Dr. Scheme, but Dr. Python. Same kind of issues. None of this stuff worked cross-platform. Was really none of it was really had all the right pieces. I went and looked at um, Code Academy, and that's really for adults who are teaching themselves how to program. Right? It's it's sort of self-paced um, programming instructions. Like, hey, type this in. Ooh, see what happens. Okay, go to the next lesson. You couldn't use that in the class, which is just way too much bullshit on the page. The kids would be totally distracted. Videos and text and links. And I mean, it's just, no, it's just way too much. And they're not, in the text, I'm like, well, I just did what this sentence told me. And it's not, it would not work for us in that way. We can, uh, we can put it into full screen, full mm -hmm. screen. And then they won't even be able to get out of it. They won't be able to play those games that they keep getting into. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. The next is I looked at was, um, um, the Khan Academy's JavaScript CS courses, yeah. which is John Resig built. And again, left side of the screen, just like Code Academy uh, and just like Learn Street, they have like you can type in JavaScript or whatever. And on the right side, you have like output. But the way they do it is they don't have any terminal output. It's just pure, um, uh, it's just pure uh, graphics. So they're just all using the processing.js. So you draw squares and ellipses and you animate stuff. And I think... I think graphics are cool, but I don't think it's a complete answer. I think in some cases you want to have the kids playing with graphics, and I think it's fun. In some cases, you're going to want you know, back and forth input from the user. You want to write like a terminal application. Either one by themselves is missing. I think part of 
part of what needs to happen in the in the learning process. So I was so frustrated. I was learning all this stuff, and I just realized after that last class, I'm like, this is a nightmare. And so I was sitting with Guyon. I'm like, hey, Guyon, I have this idea. And he's just like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because I looked at all these things, and I looked at a few others. I'm probably forgetting one or two. Um, but, I mean, I looked at Scratch, too. Scratch is more drag and drop. It's not really programming in a sense. It's not real syntax. And it's, it's a fun little thing to play with. And it teaches some interesting concepts. But um, did you look at Alice? I didn't. Alice is kind of similar, right? Yeah, it's it's sort of basically you have your three D characters that you program. So it's it's essentially like the robot thing. Mm-hmm. You just drag and drop the loops, and they tell them to walk forward. Yeah, so it's just it's just like Scratch, yeah. right? Just another way of doing Scratch. And I think that stuff has a uh, has a place, and we can be able to use that. Like, hey, today we'll play with Alice. Just as for just for something different. I think that stuff can well, be fun. Well, pro- but it, the problem is, it's like one hundred and twenty eight meg download. Yeah, and installing that's a nightmare. Yeah, so I don't be, know. Yeah. The uh, the other the other one that I really liked that had some really interesting thing was something called Robot Mind. Yeah. And what it would do is left screen is your code and the right screen is an obstacle course. Oh, and, nice. And and you and you write little functions to control your robot to go through obstacle course. Kind of like a weird, kind of like my little coder game that I was playing around. Little. So I'm thinking, okay, what I want to do is I want to build that just like we said, full screen split. Left side of the screen is code. Right side is... Well, it's just like how Kids Ruby, one of those things, would look. Or Hackity Hack. But it's all in the browser. And but it took some really tricky coding to make this work. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing is, is JavaScript is asynchronous. There's no way... There's no blocking. Right? How do you block... How do you write a program and run it and it blocks an input? You can't do it. So what you had to do... The, only, the trick for doing it is I, you run... If it's a terminal application... You write the code, you save it to the server, you create a web worker, you inform the web worker, hey, download a script with this name. You, you create that in the callback from the post of the, of the program to the server. It does an import script inside the web worker, its own little th- worker thread, pulls it in, runs it in a try-catch. So if anything fails, then I can, I can post back to the main thread, here was the error, so we can print out an error. And, uh, and then when you do an input, um, what you do, to, the way you block on it is that, again, the the web worker will go and do a request along the request using an X, XHR request to the server. It'll tell the um, it'll call back to the main UI, say hey, input. So it'll bring the cursor into the little terminal like these input, and and then once you have the uh, value hit return, it sends that, posts that to the server, and then it and it gets it to the. Okay, so we need um, we have to be online then from now on. I'd be online. That's the only thing. Now, and that's the thing I was to ask you about is uh, I think you can get by like a mobile hotspot thing for like that'll support 10 yeah. simultaneous connections. And it's like they're like 150 bucks. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. We got nine, 10 kids. Yeah. Do no that. No problem. That'll so, be fine. So I think, uh, so what do you think? Great. So I'm really, really excited. So what about the graphical side of things? Yeah. So, so what, when you hit new, it'll come up, it'll be a pop-up that'll say, Either terminal, or you want a terminal application or a graphics application. Yeah. If it's in graphics mode, then it'll be a it'll instead of being a, looking like a terminal, look like a canvas, a blank canvas. And I'm and I was I was looking at the three major graphics libraries: Raphael, Processing, and Paper. And I like um, Raphael. Yeah, but it, it's pretty complicated. Yeah, they're all a little, but they're all like draw circle. They, we we don't have to get complicated. We just draw a circle, okay. draw a square, yeah. draw a line. What, yeah. One question for the for the processing of the terminal thing and the non-blocking stuff, would it be like beyond the realms of possibility to like take the JavaScript and put each block of code into like an array and then just execute them one at a time, something like that? Do you know what I'm saying? 
I don't know so if so you like do you could, that. You that... can tokenize the JavaScript and just just set some kind of timeout loop that looks this line, then this line, then this line. You might be able to do that. I mean, I don't know. That sounds even more complicated. Yeah, it does sound. I mean, it would definitely be complicated, but I'm just thinking. But if I build the back end and build like a simple Node.js relay server, yeah, then, then I mean, that'd be super fast. So have you already built that part? I haven't built that part. It's easy. I mean, I've obviously done a lot of Node.js. It, that's going to be fairly, the, the service part is easy. The hard part is like, I got to figure out where to host no, a Node.js app. And I was initially oh. looking at the hosting company that I've used uh, a lot. It's called A2 Hosting, you know, just for simple shared hosting or whatever. Yeah. But it turns out that AppFog, remember we, I can't remember the guy's name, the, the founder oh, yeah, of AppFog, yeah, yeah. used to be PHPFog. Yeah. So I went on AppFog and it's free. You, you can create apps up there that are actually essentially free if they're below a certain size in terms of memory and RAM and everything. Oh, great. And it automatically has Node or Python or Ruby or whatever. And so you did want. you did you try installing setting one of those up? I no, because I yet. spent all morning doing any foo work, which I'll tell you about. <laughs> so lucky for you, I had my priorities straight. <laughs> so I did a bunch of any foo work. Nice. But and we can talk about that in a little bit. But I'm I think I'm gonna I'm gonna set up an app fog uh, account, move Catalyst Academy over there, and that way we can use Node for any real time stuff. So and, and and specifically for for solving these. So problems. can other people use uh, Catalyst Academy for their kids? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We'll just put it up. We'll make it live. We'll make it anybody can use it. So any of our listeners who have kids or, or actually just want to play around with JavaScript and writing little test apps. And then you can save your file. So what, what you want to do is you save your file. For, for $10 a month. Free. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll do it. Yeah, free. free. But then you could say, when you say open, it'll just have a list of your files. Yeah. There's a pop-up. It has a history. Here are your 20 or 30 files. And then what you can do, what I was thinking, is you can share them. Say, sh- pick ones out to share, and then the other kids can use it and modify it. So you can say, hey, I'm going to go write this little program. I'm going to save it. And I'll say, all right, everybody, go load up Justin this program. Justin shared it. It's called Playground123. Yeah. Click on it. Now see if you can modify it to make it do X. Great. Do you think that's neat? It's actually, that that actually is an interesting idea from, from a business point of view. Yeah. Like, when you think about it, I mean... We're not the only people who want to teach kids how to code, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of kids going from a young age to an, to an older age. But I know that typically that kind of stuff people like to have for free, don't they? Well, no, I mean, not necessarily. But, you know, Dragon Box isn't free. Robot Mine's free. None of these things are free. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm just saying, like, an early, well, early development version, we'll get it going. We'll let it work on iPad? I'm sure we could. Yeah, sure it would. I'm sure it would. And, and the editor that I'm using is Ace, which is really slick. It's it's one they use on GitHub, and I think Code Academy uses it. Oh, okay. Khan Academy uses it. It's really slick. It, it looks and behaves just like your normal editor. It's very slick. Okay, so that probably wouldn't work on iPad. You really think so? Uh, well, just because because you, you know how you get the keyboard to pop up? Mm-hmm. You've got to really think about that. So then you don't really want anything more than just the text box. I don't really think coding. I mean, iPads aren't really built for writing code, you know? Okay. I'm not sure... I mean, that's not my, that's my least of my concerns, sure, but sure. I think that you could build a version of this and that we, you could make it inexpensive and it'd be fine. It would bring a lot of attention to Catalyst Academy, Yeah, which would be really cool. Great. We will not get news. Because, yeah, they would love that. So what I'm thinking is, but our kids, they can write their programs and they can share it. So Colby's, Colby's Code. So I'm trying to think of a name for it. I was thinking, it's either, the two names I had were Catalyst Coder. Or catalyst or reaction, you know, like catalyst cause a reaction. Right, right. So right. reaction was kind of a cool name or coder. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, oh, the third thing I was thinking is so when you create a new program, I was thinking it could come up, you can create a new program. It could be either terminal, console, 
or um, the obstacle course one, kind of like Robot Mind. So we'll create. Uh, so the, so we'll create um, just like in Robot Mind where they have like an obstacle course. You can write a program to try and navigate a robot through the obstacle course. So that's another type of thing you could do. Well, when you think about it, then you could you could do all sorts of things. You know, you could have you could almost you could create the little games and you know like there's loads of different things you could do. Yeah. So I think this is going to solve a lot of our problems. Yeah. I think it's how, gonna be, how much have you written of it? So. I've got, I solved all the, I think all the hardest problems except for routing through the server, which I wanted to try and get done this afternoon if I have some time. Yeah. But, you know, I have the editor, I have the terminal, I have the graphics stuff, sending stuff, you know, it's getting stuff to run in the right context and, and be able to try, catch the errors and show the right kind of errors. And so the stuff I don't have is like saving and opening files from the server, which is easy. Now, if I was writing this during PHP, this is like, you know, and I'd use my AppIgnite framework. I cut and paste a bunch of code. And why don't you do it in PHP? Because I need to do it in Node. Why? Because we need to route through the Node server. Otherwise, then I have to get Node, and I have to have two web servers working together, right? Because I have to have Apache and. But wh- why do you have to route through Node again? Remind me. Because you're 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 having two. I'm having the native, um, the native thread on the browser is 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 sending back the standard in it's JavaScript. to the server to the server to standard in oh I and see. that and the, when the worker thread is blocking waiting for that code to come in what's a worker thread so there's in 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 chrome and firefox i think all the major browsers now they have they have this thing called a web worker so you can spin off a thread and just have it do work it doesn't have access to the dom or anything like that yeah. but it just can just do work and so this is perfect for this okay so will that work on some of their older com- computers because they'll they'll have Modern browsers. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's a relatively newer version of Safari or Chrome or Firefox, then I'm okay. Okay, so you're actually processing JavaScript for real on the back end. I'm not processing it. All I'm, all I'm doing is just is just relaying information, you know, so that the web worker can block. Okay, so workers, it's easier to talk to Node than it is to PHP for some. Well, okay, so how are you exchanging? So I have two processes, two PHP pages. How are they communicating and and, and efficiently? You either you have to either create some kind of a socket communication between the pro, between the processes, which is just painful. I've done that. In okay, PHP so Node.js gives you that for free the, the, to easy. connect to the web worker because so, it's all one process. This is one process. It's super easy. It's like a, it's a layup where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to use this PHP class for opening up sockets and this, and then we have to manage this communication, and it's just not that efficient, and it's just I just do it in Node, you know, and all I have to do is then go, okay, well, we have to be able to log in and open and save files. Um, you know, um, f- to the server, which is, this is all easy stuff. It's just, rather than being an hour and a half of work in PHP and for me, it's going to take six or seven hours. Can web hours. sockets talk to web sockets on the same browser? Well, no, I'm talking about the web sockets. So the two processes on the server. So you have, you have a, a, an X, an XHR post yeah. request from the native thread. You have a get request from the worker thread. They're trying to exchange information. You're exchanging through the server so that the web worker can block on it because it's and it's running it when it's running its JavaScript program like readline. It yeah. needs to wait, so it's waiting on that web worker to receive data. So you need those two processes on the server to communicate, to exchange the data. What did you enter? What is my? What is your name? My name, Jason. Send Jason sends to their web worker. Comes back down you the web. You know how you can do like iframes. Mm-hmm. Can you do that with iframes? Like, can, can you do? I guess what I'm trying to get at is, can a, can a WebSocket open up to a WebSocket on the same in the same window machine? So could you kind of bypass the server and just talk to a WebSocket locally? Oh, well, and which I open another WebSocket locally, which talks no, to no, because you have to open up to a server. Now, the the others one approach that you can use using um, the uh, HTML5 file system. 
oh, spec. Yeah. yeah. And there in web workers, you can write, you can do a synchronous read. Um, I was having guy guy on, guy was working on this for like a half hour hour on Friday. I kind of talked him into. I said, <laughs> do some recon on this. I said, I I read a tutorial on this. I know it's possible. You're not going to make like, any money, and you're not going to get any fame or any recognition. But you know, go exactly. On. Just like, work. Just like, just put put some effort into it. Well, you know, it is like you once you throw out a problem to this to take it. They're like, oh, yeah, I got to try this. So he's like, all right, I can experiment with this. I know, I know. He want he would like this to exist because he'd like to use it with his kids. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is really cool. <laughs> you know. So, but it, I, I think time ran out on the clock, and he got a little too tired on Friday night or whenever it was, and. Went to sleep, but he, but he didn't have complete success with it. But um, I know that's a possible solution because I was looking at something called REPL.IT, R-E-P-L.IT, which has which has created like um, like these programming environments and all these different languages, whether it's Scheme or Forth or Python or Ruby or QBasic, and it all runs in JavaScript. It's all compiled JavaScript, and they use the same trick. I discovered the trick because I w- I eventually came to this trick and I read up and that's I read about on their GitHub page and they actually talk about using the XHR trick. The trick that I didn't know that I got from them was reading from the, uh, the synchronous, using the synchronous file system You're to right. communicate. Um, but that will only work in, um, f- in Chrome. That won't work in Firefox. So I'm like, well, if it's not going to work in Firefox, you might as well just use the one way that work across browsers and, you know, get that one working first. Huh. Yeah, cool. So I was, I, was, I was trying to get, I was like, you know, I want to get at least to the stage where I want to show it to you for the show, bring it yeah, over here. Yeah. But I spent all this time doing AnyFoo, so I'm like, eh, I'll just wait till Tuesday. All right. Well, talking about AnyFoo, I've seen a lot of e- emails in my inbox, and it feels like something's been happening on AnyFoo today. Yeah. So how many emails did you get? You CC'd on there? One, five? two, three, four, five, six. Six emails, right, yeah. that I CC'd you on. So Alex McCaw emailed me so Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. He's like, hey, so what was the name on the payout? Right. And, you know, I'm like, well, it should be any foo. Like he's looking at his bank statement. He's like, cause I don't see it. I'm like, oh, it could be Crosstown services because that's the entity that owns. Yeah. Webmaster checks. And I said, let me know if you don't see it. But I didn't hear back from him. I, I, and then I, so I sort of felt like if I didn't hear back from him, he probably saw it. But I said, I, so today I go back and I go, you know, I should probably just look up and check. And I go into Webmaster checks and I see that we have payment status pending, payout pending uh, from, from, 918. I'm just like, oh my God, right? So how the hell did that happen? So I go look through our server logs. We have the payout happened. We have the payout notification happened. So we have a payment API call went through to register the payment on pay on Webmaster Checks. The deposit went through. They've the registered deposit. I went like in, in Wells Fargo, our bank account, our direct payment went through. So I, everything went through. But it's still sitting there as status pay, pending payout or, or payout pending. So I got to talk to, I sent an email to Chrissy over there at uh, Webmaster Checks and like, so what, what's the story here? So we've flagged it. We've, we, we've told, they're supposed to send it. Like basically, because they manually send it when we tell them we're ready for you to send it. But they, they didn't send it. Yeah, so, so I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe there's something wrong with, maybe he entered his bank account information incorrectly and it's coming back as a fail. And okay. they're, I, I don't know. So we need to figure out what happened. And all of a sudden we need to figure out a way not for this to sit until, they, until the expert complains. Yeah. Right. Because that's not good for no, Alex. I mean, luckily we're friendly with Alex, and he's probably not worried too worried about it. But I feel bad that you know we we were supposed to. But pay what him about Lisa? To, right. Lisa Rache. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it turns out that she had entered PayPal as a payout option. Oh. And it turns out that a couple months ago, most checks don't do. 
Now, PayPal won't allow them to won't won't do these sort of payout. So we have to what pay her manually. Well, I'm not going to do. I just I just took all that out and I just said, all right, let's. I, I sent an email to Lisa and I said, just either choose check or international wire. I said, check free and slow or international wire. You know, at 17 bucks, you get it to like tomorrow, okay. whatever you want. <laughs> um, I just don't feel like I don't think we have the operational infrastructure to stay on top of manually doing stuff like that very well. Just okay. based on the fact that we miss this other thing, I'm like, let's just not make PayPal an option right now. Let's see how things go. If we get a lot of pushback, then we can figure out if there's something we want to do. But we'd have to, we need to set up an AnyFu PayPal account mm-hmm. and then we got to figure out, okay, well, you got to put this money in here. Yeah, it's the same thing. It. We'll have to sweep money into the PayPal account and then hook into the PayPal API and send it to them that way unless we wanted to manually do it. Yeah, so it's a big, it's a whole nother well, actually, there, there is Actually, there is a faster way. Um, but I mean, PayPal let you do this thing where you, you can do what they call mass payments. And basically, it's just using CSV. Mm-hmm. Right, so you go into you go into their mass payments page and you upload it, and it goes bam, and it will send out like ten payments or whatever. But it's still a manual step. Yeah. So one of the things that I was thinking about, I mean, so today obviously I'm doing all this sort of customer support stuff. So this is stuff ultimately you're volunteered to do. I just went and did it because I was like, the stuff needed to be taken care of, and I probably should have. In retrospect, I probably should have said, "All right, Justin, you just take care of this." Right. But what we need to do, though, is we need to come down a checklist. Here's your daily and weekly checklist. Like, we need to check that the cron scripts, there no, you know, everything, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this, you know, because there's a lot of stuff you got to remember to do just to make sure everything worked. Like, you can't, like, we just kind of checked out and didn't bother checking into Webmaster Checks, which you probably, you know, our, da- our Webmaster Checks dashboard, we should probably check in there every two or three days and make sure there's nothing sitting out looking weird. Okay. You know, because we didn't get an email about it from them, you know. And it wasn't, there was no error generated in the cron. There was no, there was no API. So we need to kind of, you know, it's just like a five minute thing, you know, 10 minutes a day has to be log in, check here, check here, make sure payment through, everybody's good, solid, you know, and, um, you know, sure. Well, just, just let me know what to do. Yeah. So we need to come up with a checklist. So, but I had to take her all, I didn't take her all that. I had to do some investigation. That, that whole thing took me like an hour, hour and a half today. And then I, then I went and I, and I removed the PayPal option from our, uh, our ad and edit payment yeah, and preference did you deploy forms. It? Yeah, I deployed it. So okay. it's all good. So I can just knock that off my checklist. So cool. Okay. So did, did any um, parents respond to the fact that you said that we were going to start charging for Catalyst? Well, they were all, I think they were all happy to hear that because then it's real. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, parents who you meet in person have a little different outlook than you, anonymous users on the web who expect to get something for free. Right. right, they're like, yeah, hey, they, so you're, they have reciprocity, right? Right, so you're going to teach my kids how to program once a week for two hours? Wow, that seems like that seems really crazy. That seems like a lot of work. Wow, you know, can we pay key or are we going to? By the way, two hours. I'm definitely a firm believer that two hours is too long. Yeah, we might be able to shut it down a little, a little, a little shorter now. But I, I, I wanted the I wanted the two hour break as yeah. a as like a frame, so we have plenty of time to set up and break down. I think that half an hour playtime. Like basically half an hour set up and play and then an hour lesson. So I think, I don't think it should go on more than an hour and a half. Yeah. I think well, let's talk, we, we need to come up with a structure. I yeah. think we can break it up into in things, but I know that an hour in soccer practice is a little short. Right. I think an hour and a half is about right. Two hours is a little long. I think the last half hour gets a little, a yeah. little long. Well, I want to leave that there. What I might want to do is leave that there for once we get into projects and kids just want to kind of work on their thing. Once they're into something, but not be teaching them and kind of asking. But for I mean, attention. like once it gets to the one and a half hour mark, you've, the kids are like, they're they're all over the place. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to work that way. I mean, it, 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 I don't think it's, I mean, Colby can spend two hours, you know, uh, on things, no problem. It's just the, the way we have things set up, the way we're, you know, where we're doing things, it's just okay, not so, optimal So yet. keep it as, as it is, and then we'll see what happens. Let's yeah. work. Let's, let's just, I, I need to think about it a little bit. Let's think, I like the structure, how to break it up. Like you had talked about break it up, do chunks of time. We do something, we take a break, and we play, and we come back, we do stuff. Sometimes it's, we're going to, a little bit of instruction, and a lot of times it's just working on stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really hoping, like like I mentioned, that the, we have this new development environment, there'll be much less frustration and confusion. So. All right. Well, I've got something that I wanted to bring up. Um, okay. You probably saw this on Hacker News. I could imagine you reading this, and it might even be on your list. Mm-hmm. The measurement that would reveal the universe as a computer simulation. Right. Did you see that? Yep. What did you think? That's interesting. Um, go ahead and introduce it. Well, uh, I mean, I'll say my kind of <laughs> Justin's version, and then you can talk about it okay. in more detail. So basically, it seems that there may be an experiment that we could do where we could measure, throw rays at something, some very small particle, and somehow it would rep it would prove that there was a grid. And if there was a grid, then that would show that we were part of a construct. Yeah, I mean, so the, I mean, I'm not an expert on higher energy particle physics, and I don't even pretend that I understand it right. at any <laughs> level. So, but the impression that, the understanding I got from the article is that by measuring certain types of minimal energies that certain types of particles will have, you can you can deduce what those should or shouldn't do be by what your minimum grid size. So if we have like a, a, if we if we run a grid, if we run a grid, and so just like you have like pixels on a screen, right? At yeah. some point, there's a minimum pixel size. At some point, there has to be a grid if it's if it's a construct. If it's, yeah, if it's a con, if it's not continuous. Yeah. And at that point, you'd be able to ascertain that these energies should have of these particles should have a certain certain amount minimal or maximum amount i can, there was a name for it the qz the qzt um cutoff or something like that yeah. I, I can't remember what it was but the 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 yeah. the grezian zatspin kuzmin gzk cutoff exactly it's exactly. yeah <laughs> exactly so and if those things are at odds if they don't agree then there might be something more going on with the fact that there's there's a grid so this whole thing we call the ancestor simulation we've been talking about like are we actually are we real are we a simulation yeah so yeah. <clears throat> but also reading the article i it's i kind of got the impression that even if it did present that the, the kind of the evidence that we're part of a simulation it still wouldn't be ultimate proof it would just be an indication mm, yeah It'd be a hard thing to prove, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Even if you could prove it, it'd be hard for people to believe. Like, okay, you know, like, you're actually not real. You're just a simulation in someone's big computer. I was trying to talk to Georgie about this excitedly. I was like, hey, gee, guess what? We might be part of a computer simulation. She was like, oh, talk to Jason about it, would you? <laughs> That's great. So it just pawns it off. Of She's like, when it gets too nerdy, she's like, just talk to Jason. That's too much. Yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, the, I was when I was reading it, I um, I was saving it to my um, to using. I was reading on the iPad, and here's my new workflow. So, using the iPad, I'm storing all I'm storing all my stories on Instapaper, and then I go in, in the evenings, open up my iPad, and start reading through stories, which I love. Fantastic. Better than paper. Way better than paper. It Fantastic. is actually better than paper, isn't it? Because well, it's more vibrant and it's just. A better experience. Well, I don't feel like I'm losing anything in terms of, I mean, it may be 20% 
easier to on the eyes to read on a piece of paper than it is on an iPad, but it's in the ballpark, right? It's not that right. big a deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to read for five hours on an iPad, but reading for because an it's hour. Retina. Yeah, it's good. Um, but the fact that I don't have to have these stacks of printouts, uh, you know, kind of sitting on my nightstand, and I'm like, oh, like I've complained before, I've got 30 pages, and there's like three page and a half articles I don't want, really want to read, but I'm not sure I want to throw this away until I read it. And, What's that interface over there? Yeah, okay, I'll explain this. So quit jumping ahead. All right. You're always jumping ahead. I'm looking you're at your interface. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> store everything on <laughs> store everything on the on Instapaper. And then I was in Instapaper and I'm just like, you know what sucks is that um uh how do how do how do I want to be able to save notes? Like you know, can, I can underline things and stories with a pen. I'm like, now how do I save this in some kind of way? But I noticed that if you if you um you know, just like you showed me how you select text yeah. on the on the iPad, you select, and it comes up with something called share. Hit share, and it'll bring up a Dropbox you can put on Twitter, Facebook, Evernote, or Pinboard. Nice. So okay. I hit Evernote, and I and I log and I keep keep it logged in and connected to my Evernote account, and it just immediately sends the snippet of text to as a note to Evernote. So here are my list of notes on Evernote. That's great. They're all organized in like little thumbnails. Yeah. Like I'm just looking at here's the note. So what I was thinking ultimately is they have an API. I could pull this into that my memory IO thing I was talking about, memory hole. Oh, yeah. And I could show you your notes every once in a while so just remind you of things. Let me just have a quick look at that. All right. So and the other cool thing is so a lot of times I'll, I'll be reading, I'll be just kind of perusing Hacker News in the evenings instead of reading on Instapaper. Well, the, the way I read Hacker News is using uh, an app called Hacker Node, which yeah. is really slick. And they have a, um, a little plus button down at the page. You hit plus and it brings up like uh, one of three options for saving it. And one of it is Instapaper. So I can just save it to Instapaper. Then it's on Instapaper. And then you bring it into Evernote. Yeah. yeah. So I got nice. my little flow. Okay, great. Well, then you have no excuse to walk through the door and say, I barely have anything to talk about. Well, I mean, I have stuff. I just didn't have it on one piece. I didn't usually spend my normal hour beforehand kind of jotting stuff down all right but, so the only problem with the ipad though oh, it's okay. like it's a commercial in my house it's like a I, who has the ipad it's i'm like do you have the ipad no do you, like it's like is colby have the ipad or no is izzy watching uh, you know playing her little game so or you mean it's, it's like a constant apple commercial it is and then finally airy my little my four-year-old is, is nestled up with it hidden on a couch playing her little you know educational game or and i'm just like you have to go take it from the four-year-old okay new donation new donation <laughs> iPad for Jason's kid. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I am very thankful for the iPad. I don't need to push it. But it's funny. I mean, it's like, it's, just, it's a fight for the iPad. It's like, it's like the family's favorite toy. So I don't always get my iPad when I want it. I, yeah. I have to kind of... Has it been dropped yet? No. Mm-mm. Luckily. So that's fine. So let's see. So I know we're running out of time. So let me just... Um, are there anything you want to talk about? Because I'm going to look through my last few notes, make sure I don't forget anything um, that I wanted to bring up. There was uh, some other stuff, but I've kind of forgotten right now. Um, so you go. Um, let's see here. Getting pretty much kind of low. I like that one article, uh, another, another hack and news thing. Why is processing a sorted array faster than an unsorted array? Did you see that? I, you know, I didn't actually read that one. Mm-mm. Let's hear it. Um, basically, it's because of branch prediction. Okay. Once again, I'm not going to explain it very well, <laughs> but <clears throat> the explanation here is something along the lines of because the, the, the processor kind of, if it's sorted, it has an idea of where it's going to go. 
but if it's not if it's not sorted then it kind of goes in and has a look and then comes back out and then goes back into the next one and has a look and comes back out right okay and it's like much faster right okay there you go it's a, anyway it was um it was a good page to read why is processing a sorted array faster than an unsorted array on stack overflow sounds like typical hacker news fair yeah so here's a funny one it was like why the first laptop had such a hard time catching on go on then it was on the in the atlantic and um Hint sexism. So the, the, I guess in 1983, there was this like $20,000, equivalent of $20,000 in today's money uh, laptop. I can't remember which company built it. And, but it didn't catch on in business, uh, not only just to do with the price, but according to Jeff Hawkins, who's the creator of uh, the Palm Pilot, and, or Palm Computing, he said that the executives, or the, the guys in their 40s and 50s, who had worked their way up the ladder didn't know how to type, right? They didn't want to look like an idiot. And also remind them of like, this is women's work, right? Women are the secretaries. They are in the office. They're, they're the ones in the office typing on typewriters, right? I don't type. You know, I have someone type for me. My yeah. secretary does that. Yeah. So this idea that there's a machine, they don't know how to type. And not only that, I don't want to be doing something that's kind of below me, right? That's, I could when did that switch happen? Like, when did it happen that it was kind of okay? Well, I think it's just been a process of, you know, over the last few decades. I mean, you know, if, if you think about it, I mean, it's still a lot of older people, particularly older men who are executive stuff, they still, up until even recently, still don't really use the web. They don't check email. They don't no, email no. people. They don't surf the web. They don't do stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's true. People, they have their, you, you have these f- stories of like, I don't know, it's what, you know, ag- you know, whichever, pick your executive. Their secretaries would print out their emails and, ha- and hand it to them to read. They were just talking about that on um, uh, the Adam Curry show. They, uh, oh, it was one of the Supreme Judges, the woman one. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, oh, I Kagan? don't. Kagan? Yeah, I don't, I don't read my, I don't read email. Like, right. I, I never look at my computer. Yeah, so you're right. And she's an older lady. Yeah, so that, that, um, I mean, that generation is still with us. I mean, but I think people in their 40s are, is, is, is sort of the new people in the mid 40s and younger are, are, are all people who grew up using the web and using email. I think it's people older than that. So it's one of the last few decades. People in their 70s, 60s are, are still kind of like, eh. But I bet the same people wouldn't mind using an iPad because it's more just like you're consuming. Yeah, well, that's true. Like it's, it's more of a home kind of consuming entertainment appliance yeah but anyway i just thought it was interesting and and, and from the perspective from a social perspective it's like it's not just because something works or is powerful or efficient it's like how is it viewed is this something i would use or is this beneath me in some way you know you've got to think about people's worldviews as well as anything else yeah or like you know is this a thing kids use i'm not a kid right like i had that kind of feeling about facebook when it first came i was like i'm gonna get on facebook i'm like it's college kids like i'm my 30s like why am i going to go put myself on facebook when it first came out 2006 or whatever it was well the same thing happened in reverse i remember speaking to someone from axel partners in the uk Mm -hmm. and they were telling me about this thing this this um like a uh i guess like a a palm pilot for kids that they invested in right and they were and they were saying that they made it all they were building it for girls Mm -hmm. and they made it pink and like, like girls were expecting and the girls said, I don't want that. I want it to look like mummies. I want it to be like black and right. look business-like. 
Mm-hmm. So it works the other way around as well. Like kids want it to be adults. What are they aspiring to be? Is this something yeah. like if you talk down to like when kids get annoyed when you talk down to them? Yeah. You know, you, you, you want to talk, speak in words or use examples that kids understand, but you talk to any kid's voice or stuff, they look at you like, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to be treated this way. And yeah. they get kind of irritated. I mean, depends on the age or whatever, but you well, know. Yeah, well, obviously like a, a, the five-year-old will be happy with the pink kind of yeah, it really depends. I mean, top you know, version, but yeah. when, they, it, when they're 13, they, they change a little bit. Teenagers are yeah. trying to, they're, they're aspiring to be adults. Yeah. They, they, and depending on the kid, depending on all there are, they know there are a distance from there, but they, they want to feel or look like they're grown up in some way. Or and another. then you get to be a Mac programmer at 22 and you actually plaster your uh, Mac full of stickers and it looks like it's a five-year-old. <laughs> right. Right. So the older people are trying to act like kids and the kids are trying to, yeah, it's funny when that comes out. It's like when, when people are older, they start acting, they trying to still pretend that they're like 10, and 20 years And that's probably why kids get so embarrassed because the adults are trying to be like the kids. Yeah. I think that's a mistake. I, you don't, don't try and act like you're a kid. Don't act like younger, just act your age. Do, have you ever had that experience yet where you've embarrassed your kids? No, they're not old enough. Oh, what, to... what age does that start? Like when they're 14 kind of thing? I, I, you know, again, it probably depends on the kid. I think some kids become sensitive to that, sensitive to that probably around 11-ish range, 11, 12. You know, some kids mature early and they become very hypersensitive to that at probably 10 or 11. Some kids, it's not until 14 that they really start caring. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, my kids aren't that old, so I don't have a lot of personal experience with it. But And it's hard for me to remember what age I became super sensitive. I think I remember thinking about that stuff in fifth grade. Right. What's what's fifth grade? Fifth grade is uh, 11-ish, 10, uh, 10, 11. It's so weird how you Yanks have the grades remembered so clearly that you can map them to an age. Really? You can't yeah. do that? No. Not me. Huh. Well, I don't know. Um... So what else we got? Oh, you know, I got this, uh, I got a book in the, in the mail a couple days ago. You did? And I didn't order it. I'm like, where did this come from? You know, just say, have you ever, has, has anyone ever sent you a book? Yes, I got two books from um, Derek Sivers. Oh, did you? Well, that one's to be reviewed. Yeah, to, to review be reviewed, it. yeah. But did you ever get one just because a friend of yours said, hey, I think no. you should read this? At first, I thought it was one of our listeners had said, hey, you guys mentioned this. I thought I'd just send you the book. Which would have been a total surprise because that's the kind of thing one of our listeners would do. Yeah. Right. Um, but it turns out it was uh, um, from the uh, James Thomas. He's the director of research at Headlands Technologies, the high frequency trading shop uh, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. My buddy Ken Dye works yeah, at. Yeah. So we've grabbed dinner a couple of times and I've been up in San Francisco. Um, and he used to write science fiction or fantasy. His wife is actually a published author and fantasy writing and so we were talking science fiction a little bit and science and stuff and i, I don't know what we're, i can't remember singularity and this and that or whatever and he you know we we're, were talking about like you know who were the best storytellers what was the best science fiction of all time and he brought up this guy uh his name was greg egan and uh i think he's i think he might be um might be English, I'm not sure, but it was a anthology of stories called Axiomatics. I looked at, at first. I'm looking at the stories. I'm like, this looks awesome, you know. Just the <laughs> stories are great, and I'm like, who the hell sent this? And then I remembered that he had emailed me uh, two or three weeks ago asking for my address, and I thought that's curious. I wonder why, my, why he wants my address. I mean, maybe he's just anal, anal people who like to fill out their contact details yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and then I, I put two and two together. But that was kind of cool. So I'm excited. Nice. I haven't read sci-fi in like 20 years or something. So. It looks kind of cool. Although the first story, I'm only part of the way through it, but it's like 
about this guy who's hired by the company and he jumps between parallel universes and it looked very it reminded it was very reminiscent of Looper. Oh so right. Jump through time and yeah. you know, certain people because they were hired like the he, the reason the company hired him is because he was particularly stable between parallel universes. Like he was the same regardless which one he was in. Where a lot of people were very different. And so the psychologists and scientists would would kind of test him before and after, and they would always shake his head. And they're like, "Man, it's amazing how stable you are, right?" So that was yeah, how it starts cool. out. So I don't know, but it's, cool. it's illegal, just like in Loop or the time yeah. travel yeah. and stuff. Um, I oh, forgot to ask you. Would you, it be illegal? Legal? What's that? How, would it be illegal? Jumping through parallel universes? Yeah, time travel. I guess it would be. I mean, it. it well, if, if you could go back in the past and change everybody's world or future, then of course that would be extremely dangerous. Right, but I mean, what could be more dangerous? I guess, but it wouldn't even. Yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about the reality of something. But like I want to ask. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I want to ask you. You never told me what you uh, thought of Looper. I mean, we can't. No spoilers, but just what was your first? What was your grade? A to an F. I thought that the young guy did a really good impression of Bruce Willis. Hmm. Like he had he had his accent down. Did he? Yeah, he had his accent down. He. You totally believe that he was uh, Bruce Willis. What's his name again? I don't uh, know. I forgot his name. But anyway, um, I thought it was really good. I, I thought it was, I'd like you, a good B plus. Good B, B yeah. plus, yeah. yeah. I thought it was good, but it wasn't awesome. It wasn't like Inception. The, the, my favorite sci-fi-ish kind of movie for the last couple of years has been Limitless. That's the only movie that I thought oh, was, really? that I loved. I don't know if I could say that it was a great, if I would tell, I would make some argument like it was a great movie for X, Y, and Z reasons. But if, in terms of like entertainment value, like how much I liked it and kept thinking about it afterwards really it, and yeah. would go see it again, that's the only one. Like Avatar, that was good. I didn't really have any interest in seeing it a second time. Prometheus. Did you, did you see was, Avatar 3D or yeah. regular? Yeah, so I took Colby to see it in 3D. It, it, did, it didn't, when, when I went to see Avatar, I went with my little sister and she came out and she said, our world sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really yeah she was like i want to live in that world <laughs> oh jeez. you know wow um so you weren't you weren't kind of impressed with that the graphics and stuff no well, i think yeah i mean the graphics were impressive but the the story the, the, the story the, was a bit typical a, yeah it was kind of depressing it wasn't that interesting for, for me i mean i'm not i'm saying it wasn't a no it just wasn't my type of story i mean i i liked like limitless was kind of it was cool to see what would happen, right? What like did you was, think of, what's the best movie you've ever seen? What was the best movie I've ever seen? Would uh, you like Blade Runner? I like it. I mean, it was not the best movie I've ever seen, but I liked yeah. it. Favorite movies of all time? Terminator? That was good. Terminator 1? Yeah, it was good. I mean, like, others are great. What movie blew you away, like at, at the age that you saw it at? And it was oh, of like, course, Star Wars. 1977, when, when Star Wars came out. I mean, Star holy crap. I mean, that was amazing. You don't actually watch either night. Uh, no, it's, before last, I stayed up watching uh, the original Star Trek movie. Oh yeah, with Captain Kirk. And I remember when when I saw that it came out. It was it was in 1979, right? I believe was when it came out. Um, not that I remembered. I looked at the info when I was watching. I'm like, when did this come out? And I remember when I was a kid watching. I'm like, wow, look how old Captain Kirk looks. <laughs> and I think he's probably like forty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, and he looks young. He looks fit and young yeah. and so forth. I mean, he he did you it. Think of, yeah. You it's think just, of, all, of younger people as old people when you're young. It is really funny. When I saw that, I was like, "Hey, really?" And uh, you know, when they go, ver- they meet Verger, the ver- you know, the 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 big. Thing. All right, but what you have didn't answer my question. What's what movie like? Okay, you said Star Wars, but Star Wars is the original movie. Was like when I like that was the kind of movie I went and saw like seven times. You know, every weekend was like, "What do you want to do?" You get your grand, your grandmother is going to take you somewhere. Like, I want to go see Star Wars. Yeah. Right, that was my. 
If I look at movies that I just love that I can watch over and over, like The Natural, Robert Redford, mm-hmm. that's one of my all-time favorites. Another one of my favorites is uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, right, yeah. I love... I mean, I it's a kind of it's just thrillers, a, right? I don't know. It's just a vibe to it, just a pace. I mean, I, I remember in, a, in The Natural, um, there were so many lines, like dialogue and character and, the, and sort of the, the mood and the setting of it are all really big for me. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, there's so many great lines in like in the natural. I remember when um, when uh, Robert Redford is talking with uh, Glenn Close, and he, it was his it was his high school sweetheart, and uh, he leaves to go be this big baseball player, and he kind of falls off the face of the earth. No one knows what happens. No one knew what happened to him, and she finally he reappears probably by the age of about late 30s, 40, and he's making a big splash, and so she runs into him. It's baseball. She comes to a baseball game. Anyway, they get together and she's like, so what happened? She's like, so what happened to you? And he's like, life didn't work out like I thought it would. <laughs> you know, it was just like, just, it was just such a poignant thing to say. You know, it's just yeah. like things just didn't work out like I thought, you know. And I don't know, there's so many great. It was a good lesson for you. Ah, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, he made, he made a few mistakes. You know, he's right. like, I think the thing is like some mistakes you never, you never stop paying for. Right. You know, things like that was another thing or like, um, I remember when, uh, you know, the Gus, who's like the, the money guy who's trying to buy, who's, who's trying to use money. He, he, he's like a, it's not a bookie, but he, uh, he bets a lot on the, in the yeah. games and stuff. And he's trying to take control of the team and, you know, I don't remember the dialogue exactly, but he said something like he's trying to convince um, Robert Redford's character to throw the game. They'll pay him off, and then he can run off with Kim Basinger, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, Robert Redford's character is not going for it, and he's like, uh, and he's like, uh, you know, he's like, I wouldn't bet against me. You know, <laughs> just like this great line, yeah. like there's just so many great lines, yeah. and uh, you know, I, 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 no, I'm, I'm not giving doing it justice. But so you like so, those lines, yeah. And then in in, um, in uh, Thomas Crown Affair, it's just such a clever, well done movie. Who's the actor in Thomas Crown Affair? Um, what was the guy? Is that British guy? Yeah, the guy from um, Remington Steel. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And 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 the guy Dennis Leary. The comedian, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which I think he's hilarious. He's such a great character. I mean, the dynamic between him and his partner, the cop, the black guy, was just great. And with uh, what's the girl? What was a what was a woman in it? And she was so funny. So she's this heart, real hard ass, yeah. right? And she goes, I, I guess Dennis Leary had, was was worried that she was being manipulated by Thomas Crown, yeah, right. And even though she's just real you know, kind of badass in a way. She hunts down um, the stolen art for these big, huge money guys in Europe. Yeah. And and he's like, he says something along the lines, I, I probably going to get this wrong, but he goes, he comes up to her and, and, and said, because she came through with something. She's like, by the way, here's the, you know, the such, so this is what you need to track him down. He's like, wow. He's like, he's like, uh, you know, I, I, I owe you an apology. He's like, um, I, I didn't, think you had the chops to see this through he's like but i bet he's like i bet you'd walk right up to saint peter and kick him in the teeth before you let anyone play you <laughs> and meanwhile she knew she had gotten played right and she just just kind of the way the camera works it was just such an awesome well done just yeah. such an awesome line. anyway movies like that those are some of my uh favorites that just pop in my head that i can watch yeah. over and over the natural thomas crown and two that i can watch for me um 
Terminator was the one that started my made my head spin mm-hmm. because it had that whole time travel thing. Mm-hmm. So, and I, but I also just thought it was cool. But nothing compares to Blade Runner for me. Like Blade Runner, the all-time is, favorite movie. Blade Runner is just epic because I don't know. For, for you, it's about the lines. For me, it's about the texture of the world. Like mm-hmm. so, Blade Runner kind of made me think how cool the future could be. And, and I, what what I loved about Blade Runner more than anything was how dirty it was. Like, yeah. it, it portrayed a realistic future. They call that immaculate filth as a term. They use that in Star Wars. They made it look real. Because the problem with them, they had these futures. They, they, they portray a future yeah. in which everything was clean. It's like, it doesn't matter how advanced society is. There's still dirt and grime. Right, right. There's still things that are old. Yeah, there's right? still things that are old. old. Exactly. It was old buildings, but with futuristic stuff around it, which to me was, like, logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I don't know. But also the camera work was incredible. Like, when when rachel was smoking her cigarette and Mm -hmm. she had like those big ruby lips and she Mm -hmm. was smoking that cigarette and the smoke was flying and she had this crazy 80s hair and like the way that she was in silhouette all the time and then they'd pan out over the city and all the flames were there Mm -hmm. there was just so much i don't know it was like it was like grandiose or something like it just had some hardcore amazing cinematography I agree. I, the setting, that stuff makes a difference to me, too. I don't know what the, uh, the term you use for, but just setting the mood and, 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 and the look of the film. Yeah. I don't know. What, uh, what are some of your all-time favorite characters? Do you have particular characters that well, you love? Well, you see, Rocker Hauer in Blade Runner. Yeah. I find incredible. Like, like that, that, the last thing when he basically says, he's like, I've seen things that you people oh, could never no, dream, dream of, of, you know? Yeah. Um, and he, and that, he, little, uh, that, that little speech he gives yeah, him is amazing. And then, and, then he, yeah. and then he goes, time to die. die. <laughs> <laughs> that is just awesome. He was, uh, he did an amazing job in that. That was, a, a, yeah, first rate. Oh, it, it, what did he say? Sea beams dancing off the shores of Orion. <laughs> just all these mm. things that he says. That is so good. Cool. That is true. What are the characters? Think of some characters. Who should be your favorite all-time character? I mean, so we're at the end of the, the show. So anybody who hates movies and we're talking about, they can they can they can uh, sign off. But we can. I, I want to no, let's talk movies for a few minutes just to the hell of it. Um, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I can't. I can't think of anything. You right know what my? I, I, while you're thinking, one of my favorites. You remember? You remember the old? This is an old old movie. I saw this when I was a kid. It was um, Heaven Can Wait. Right. With um, do you know? Do you know? Uh, Annette Benning's the guy who married uh, who married Annette Benning. Come on, the guy who married Annette Benning. Yeah, he's he's really famous. He was known. He was like his big womanizer in Hollywood. Like he was he was in, in Truth or Dare with Madonna, where he was dating Madonna. Remember Truth or Dare? Oh crap, I can't remember. Like, oh, Warren Beatty. War, oh, Warren Beatty. See, oh no, the guy who Your So Vain was written about. Your So Vain. Oh, yeah, that I, song by Carly Simon. See. The one thing that I really, really suck at is remembering the names of actors yeah. and directors and movies. So I can go, you know, the guy who was in the thing, I, I can get three or four levels back and Sandy's looking at me like I'm an idiot. She's like, you mean so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Woody Allen in The Sleeper. That was your favorite character? No, favorite? I love I, just Woody Allen in any movie when he, when he was younger. Woody Allen in any movie. Circa 1975. The Sleeper was the one movie that made me probably laugh more than any other movie in my life. I don't know why. But something about the humor in that movie, like, yeah. Did you did you see that movie? The I don't sleeper? think I remember. I don't know if I've seen it or not. I've seen a lot of movies. I don't know if I've seen that one. See, so, Warren Beatty. The only reason I liked him in this movie. So he did. I tell you that we talked about this one where he he's training to be this football player. 
Yeah, you t- you told me about that. Yeah. yeah, so I've talked. We've talked about it on that show. So I will go through it. But he's just a, sort of this very earnest guy. He just all he wanted to do was play professional football, play quarterback in the professional football league. And it's kind of these, just you know, I guess it's interesting. It was just like um, um, Robert Redford's character in The Natural. You, you, you like the characters who kind of have to, they're kind of proving themselves in some way. No, they, they they just do it. They love something. Just doing it because for the love of it. Right. But, you know, I mean, character, I mean, I don't know. All these characters get to strive for something. I mean, one of my, fa- my favorite TV characters of all time is Mulder from the X-Files. Right? Yeah. I mean, I love Mulder. He's just, he's just relentless. Right? He's just is going after this thing. You know, in, a, in the movies, they call it the MacGuffin. Right? There's got to be something they're striving for. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I should come prepared. I'd have to sit down and think about, like, all my favorite. <laughs> so, in The Sleeper, uh, Basically, Woody Allen wakes up, you know, a thousand years in the future or whatever. And um, he ends up in this, in all these different shenanigans. But basically, there's this president, but no one ever gets to see the president because he doesn't really exist. But mm-hmm. they, just have, they just have his nose on ice and they're going to clone him and recreate the president. Right. So <laughs> Woody Allen ends up being somehow, you know, being in a situation where he's forced to pretend to be the doctor who's cloning the, the president. Right, right, right. And he's just got his nose. So anyway, they, they catch on to him and they're all like, they're, they're, all the guards are out there and they're like about to shoot him. And he, he's just got this nose and he's got the gun pointing at the nose. And he says, nobody move or the president gets it between the eyes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. And I, I've se- I think I've seen parts of that movie. At least I know that part. Yeah. That is really good. Do uh, you know, it's, what are your all time, what do you think the, the funniest movies? What are your favorite comedies? Well, The Sleeper by Woody Allen. Um, okay. Oh, there's a, there's a, you know what? New Girl. Have you seen New Girl? No. That's actually very funny. Very funny. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, a TV show. TV show out now. Yeah. It's kind of like Friends with an Edge. Mm-hmm. They've got this character called Schmidt who's hilarious. Um, I, I'm not going to try and do any quotes. <laughs> uh, what about you? Well, like, what about the, the State Troopers one? Oh, yeah. That's How you a, uh, Super Troopers. <laughs> Super Troopers is my all time favorite. Like, hey, stu- pull over me yeah, yeah, right, right. And um and um and um smoking the reefer. <laughs> that's that's uh that's my favorite like dumb comedies. Right. You know the the comedy that Dumb and I, Dumber. I love it. I don't really Oh come on. I thought it was pretty funny, but I wasn't in fact, Jim Carrey is probably one of my favorites. You know what's a great my favorite Jim dumb. Carrey movies what? of all time was Liar Liar. Oh, that was such a good movie. That was so funny. You got, so anybody who's looking for stuff to watch on Netflix and rant, like just an old movie <laughs> they haven't seen in a while, Liar Liar No, is but really me, funny. myself, and Irene as well. That is hilarious. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But <laughs> Liar Liar, when he's like, so he can't, he, his kid wishes for his birthday that he can't, that his, his wish is that his dad can't, can't tell a lie for an yeah. entire day or, or can't tell a lie or something. Yeah. And so his dad is a lawyer, spends all his time lying about things, right? And so Jim Carrey's going through the day you know, just, you know, tr- telling the truth what he doesn't mean to and getting himself into all kinds of trouble, which is, which is just creates incredibly funny moments. And the one where he sleeps with his boss. Yeah. And, it's a, and she's like, turns over the pillow and she's like, so was that good for you? And he's like, I've had better. <laughs> nice. It's like I've had better. Jesus, I don't know. That's a liar, liar. It's one of those uh, funny ones, you know. But you know, one that I thought was funny that probably few people have ever seen, and I don't know if ever got probably didn't get very good reviews. Was the man who knew too little with uh, Bill Murray? All right. So he he's going to visit his brother 
um, who's a sort of straight arrow guy in England, in London. And his brother, and Bill Murray's kind of a screw up, right? So his bro- so Bill Murray's brother is trying to figure out what to do with his brother while he's in town because when he's in town, it turns out he had to entertain his, I don't know if it's his boss and then some like big shot dignitary or something, right? So he has to get his brother out of his hair. Yeah. It turns out that there's like this sort of reality TV shooting that it's like a fake kind of police drama thing so you actually you're actually a character in it and so he's like yeah i signed you up for this thing you're gonna go and you're gonna be in this crime drama and everyone's gonna pretend like it's real and they're filming you know and it's it's this sort of make-believe thing yeah they're not filming but they're gonna make believe so and he's like a wannabe actor right he's like this struggling actor like he hasn't done anything you know he's done any work but that's what he wants that's his dream yeah so he goes there and he winds up with this thing so he really starts playing it up but it turns out it's all real like he goes to the wrong place oh, and no. so he's oh, kind of yeah. he's kind of talking to a little bit of trash to the people these like criminal types and and it's like this one criminal has a gun at a you know pointing a gun at him he's like i'm gonna do this that's he's, realistic and he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this this and he's like he's like he's like oh come on he's like oh wait 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 let me do this over let, let, let's workshop <laughs> this <laughs> the guy's like what he's like no let's work no i know you're trying to do a good job here i, I don't want to mess this up for you so he's talking with so much confidence and so casual that he's throwing all these people off yeah yeah i mean it's just it is so funny i <laughs> i loved it i remember i just i was just like my sides were really hurting watching it i mean this is like probably 12 years old been out 15 years ago but that's another these are like these little gems of like yeah you know if i haven't seen it talking about old movies um that were kind of well, that I thought was funny. That they're they're not rated very well publicly, but uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes with George Clooney was quite quite a. I've a, never seen it. That was an amusing movie. He think, was in Attack of the Killer. Yeah, Tomatoes? I think it's George one Clooney? of his first movies. Yeah. God, I thought that was a really old movie. Like I, I know I was a kid. It was it was really funny. Um, the the tomatoes turn into basically the the aliens if they hear music turn into tomatoes. But they're, mm. they're really gorgeous, hot chicks, right? Really right. gorgeous, hot chicks. So he ends up going out with, he goes out with this gorgeous blonde, absolutely gorgeous, right? And she's, she's this alien. They're, they're walking past this vegetable shop. <laughs> 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 and like <laughs> music's coming out the door and he's got his arm around her. She turns into a tomato and falls into a punnet of tomatoes. <laughs> and he's like going through the what? tomatoes going, where's my baby? Where are you? Baby, where are you? <laughs> That's fun. I, actually, I, mean, I should rent that one. I haven't yeah, seen that one. Yeah, that's funny. Have you, did you ever see the original MASH? Uh, this, what, the Suicide is Painless thing? Yeah, that but one. the original, the original the movie, movie, not the TV, the TV was show. It, was, was Alan Alder in that? No. No, I don't know. No, I no, it was Elliot Gould and, um, oh, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but Donald that Sutherland. That was probably like the, one of the first one movies that was turned into a series, was it? Yeah, it was. It is fantastic. I had wanted to see that for years. And, uh, I mean, actually I had a buddy of mine, Don, who yeah. I went to college with, we would rent movies all the time. We were both into movies and, and we would go and this is back when you had to go to the store to watch VHS tapes. And I remember telling him like, dude, let's watch mash. You'll love it. And he's like, I hate that TV show. I was like, yeah. that's the worst TV show. It just, and it was like one of these things it was like 1130 at night and it was like, it was last call. And I'm like, and we couldn't decide anything. I'm like, let's just watch mash. So finally he gave in and afterwards and then he's like, that is the kind of movie I love. That is great. <laughs> like I told you, it was so funny. I mean, I, it was, it was one of those funny movies where it, I'd never seen this in another movie where they have 
you can hear two or three conversations going on at the same time, like just like in real life. Like you're talking to some, like you and I could be talking, and you could hear these people talking kind of off to the side, but you're not really listening to their conversation, but something's funny is going on there too. So two funny conversations going on at the same time. Yeah. Which was really interesting and was really clever in that way. And um, I mean, it's just a... But of course, Woody Allen uses that, does that quite a lot. Does he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is an old movie, and this is like, you know, early, mid-70s, probably, yeah. 70. Three or four. I mean, this is you know, for our time. But uh, <coughs> well, that's another recommend. That's another recommendation. That's the uh, the movie segment of. <laughs> we should we do the movie segment at the end. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all the our tech listeners and entrepreneurial <laughs> listeners are just totally they're off. They've they've long since uh, stopped <laughs> listening. It's just a few people who are like, I'm trapped on elliptical. <laughs> I need something. I got ten more. I got ten more minutes of hell. I'll listen to anything. <laughs> we should do that. We should like. Do the show and think about the people who are listening and, and focus on what they're doing. This is, no, well, this is like for your 10 minutes of hell. This is the end. This is the 10 minutes of hell. You're that last 10 minutes of grid, gridlock traffic or last 10 minutes of elliptical. We're going to talk for 10 more minutes about random stuff just to kind of, just to run you in. You know, like, you know, like in marathons, like they'd have friends, your friends would come out and walk you in. Or so what would you call that segment? I don't know, 10 minutes of hell. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes of hell. All right. Well, Nice. I think that's it. I think that's a show. I'm gonna yeah. um I gotta get home, get the kids to the park before they uh explode. So alright. Well good show. That's a wrap. We're out.